Today's Five Clubs podcast is brought to you by Golf Pride. Golf Pride knows that a grip isn't only a grip. It's the one piece of equipment in your hands on every single shot. You might not know it, but it has a huge impact on your game. In fact, Golf Pride recently conducted a first-of-its-kind study showing the impact of worn versus new grips. It showed that on average, a focus group of adept golfers gained an extra two yards of carry when they played with new grips. So what are you waiting for? Refresh your grips. Refresh your game. Visit GolfPride.com today to learn more. Golf Pride. Respect the grip. Welcome in to the Wagyu Filet Show. Brendan DeYoung, Johnson Wagner. Brendan, what a week. Genesis Invitational. Uh, lots of storylines this week. Johnson, you know what? I feel like I've seen you all week. We've been talking. Uh, you've been on the ground. I've been in the studio. It has. It's been fun. You know, anytime Tiger's involved, it adds to it. It's an extra special week. Shit, let's get straight into it. Yeah, let's do. By the way, I thought you crushed it on Golf Central this week. I was on the ground, uh, you know, first time at a really big event like this. It was a lot of fun. Tiger Woods, obviously, is the headline of this event. Um, Brendan and I had the fortune. I was so excited when he committed the week before that there was a potential I was a walker for Golf Channel that I was going to get to walk with him. And I got to walk with him on Thursday. And I have to say, being out there in the group and the vibe of the crowd, it was one of the coolest experiences I've had in the game of golf. And, and I have to say Thursday, you know, he showed a ton of rust out there. Chipping didn't look great. Speed on the greens didn't look great, but uh, he drove the ball incredibly well, walked as good as I've seen him since the car accident. Uh, didn't seem to have much of a limp. I, I am still, even though everything that went on, I'm still very bullish on, on him going forward, playing more golf and we'll be able to see him on television a heck of a lot more. Before we get down to the, the breakdown of his game, I, I want to ask you, um, obviously, we've both played in a bunch of fields with Tiger. We've both had the fortune of playing golf with Tiger. Does he still carry that same kind of aura? Is there still that that mystique around him? 100%. And I, I know you said this on the telecast on, thir- on your broadcast with Golf Central Thursday. You mentioned something about you know, Tiger, when Tiger Woods is in the field as a player, you know it. Well, as a covering it on TV for the first time with him in the field, you know he's there. It was uh, it was magical out there. The crowds were big Thursday morning. He teed off early, and uh, Steve Sands, Aaron Oberholzer, who were on the team with me at Golf Channel, we got there really early on Thursday, about four hours before we needed to, just to be able to see him tee off. We we bullied our way up to the tee box. I couldn't believe Steve Sands. I mean, you know how, how narrow that cart path is behind yeah. the first tee at Riviera and, and Steve bullied his way in there. We all three got up on the tee and to, to, to be on the tee box, watching him tee off with that announcement, with the ovation that he got, it was really special. And yes, Tiger definitely still carries that aura. That's cool. You know, that that's kind of, you know, obviously we're in the studio, but watching it, it looked like that. You know, it still looked like everybody had eyeballs on every single movie made. Um, and I agree with you. It looks like he's walking well. It does. Um, I, I'm, I'm bullish, too. I'm also a little hesitant, though. You know, he, he says he wakes up and his body feels different every single day. That's a that's a hard way to play good golf. You know, that's the reason he's not using a swing instructor at the moment, because he says, I don't know how I'm going to feel when I wake up in the morning. I don't know how I'm going to be able to move. My swing feels are going to be different every single day. That that's the only reason I'm hesitant as to whether he can still contend out here. Yeah, and and uh, AO uh, Aaron Oberholzer made a point the other day that you know 
Tiger has in his last, I think, six or seven events, he's only finished four rounds twice. He had to withdraw from the Masters last year. It was a cold, nasty Saturday. His body just didn't feel right. His foot, obviously, that was the catalyst for his surgery. He withdrew from the PGA at Southern Hills. He seems to be W. Dean from tournaments where he's actually made the cut a lot more than when he finishes. He's only finished two events in the last couple of years. I know. And, and that's the thing. Like, can he get through four rounds? Can he get through four rounds where he starts out the tournament and he finishes the tournament in the same kind of physical shape? And honestly, I don't think so. I really don't. It's it's such an effort for him to to get through one round of golf, it seems. Um, I understand. Listen, this was some extenuating circumstances this week. Um, obviously, we see that cart pull up on uh, on number seven there in the second round. And my automatic thought was, oh, geez, what's it? Is it his back? Is it his ankle? The silver lining there was that he just had some flu. Um, it, it sounds like the flu was going through the field out there. It, it was Jordan Spieth uh, was sick as a dog on Friday. I think that probably played a little bit of a role in him signing that incorrect scorecard and getting DQ'd. But back back to Tiger for for just a second because you mentioned you know he was shot one over on Thursday with pretty good golf. He made a lot of bogeys, a lot of sloppy bogeys. But he was driving the ball well. He hit some beautiful iron shots. Didn't quite have the touch with the putter. That rust was a real thing. I got to witness one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life on 18 on Thursday when he hit the most epic hosel rocket ever. Uh-huh. And, and, and now, now uh, Tiger was sick. I'm not going to go down this road of, of debating whether or not he was. Tiger was legitimately sick. What I will debate with you is if back spasms were an excuse for the shank or if it was just a shank and he was trying to make an excuse for it. Because I watched the guy, I watched the first five holes in person, watched it on PGA Tour Live, and then I got out there with him on 12. And I didn't see one thing, and I was studying him like a I was I was like I was in college. I was studying this guy. I didn't see one thing that led me to believe his back was spasming on that back nine. So I have never had a back spasm, but I was talking to a lot of people about it. And apparently a back spasm is going to take you to the ground. Like you are going to go down. You're not going to be able to complete a golf swing with a back spasm. So I am 100% saying that that was an excuse for the shank. I, I wish he hadn't. I wish he had just said, listen, I shanked it. I didn't see it coming. Nobody saw it coming. I shanked it. It happens. It happens to the best in the world. It happens to one of the best ever. It's part of the game. So when I'm when I'm walking and I'm I'm so new at walking, this was just my fourth event uh, on the ground as as a walker for Golf Channel, and I like to get about 30, 35 yards in front and to either side wherever the sun's at my back, so I can have a good view of the flight. And I, it's pretty easy. My son plays junior golf, so I kind of practice with him where to stand and how I can tell the flight of the ball. And when this thing came off the club, I I'd, I had never experienced it. I had never seen anything like it, and it was it was so shocking to the system there was it was unmistakable and then going back and watching the replay of it <laughs> there was a track man tracer and it was just dead right and you know my old caddy matt hauser and i we had i i, sh- I shanked the ball every once in a while we all do right um there's a difference there's an amateur shank and there's a pro shank sometimes a pro shank will get up there and kind of end up 20 30 yard short right of the green this thing was not a pro shank it was a proper hosel rocket I am. Um, I did like your call there. That uh, after that miraculous third shot that he hit, which really was pretty cool, that he's got a putt for Shar. 
I thought that was a pretty good call there. Uh, got a little chuckle out of Terry Gannon and Frank Novolo. Um, but yeah, that, that was a that's a full-on shake. That was that was 90 degrees. Um it, it caught him by surprise. It really did. And again, I, I wish he hadn't said, listen, I had a back spasm. You shanked it. It happens. He he had a lot of club coming into that green. He was hitting an eight iron. I think he was trying to take a little distance off of it downhill lie trying to take distance off of a shot and you know that plays to some of the rust that we see that i think off speed shots lag putting and short game are the things we see most of when you're rusty competitively and so i, I think the downhill lie trying to take a little bit off of an eight iron it just got it just got too close to the hosel but brendan i do have two shars in competition on the pga tour one on uh 13 at the Sony Open in Hawaii, the year I was defending, Dustin Johnson was like cracking up. I sh no fourteen. I shanked it over onto the fifteenth tee box to a right pin, but fortunately I was on the tee and was able to like nip a wedge and hit it to ten feet and make it. And then I I, I shanked one pretty good uh, on at Sanderson Farms on number eight, that hole with the stream down the left side uh, at Jackson Country Club. Shanked it. That was a pro shank. It was only about thirty yards short right. Hit a flop shot and made the putt. So I proud to say i have two shars in competition you ever hosled one on the pga tour have, i've got a, i've got one shot i uh, i did it in uh, in memphis um my 35th hole in memphis i needed to finish par par to make the cut and i absolutely hosel rocket rocketed one on number eight the par three yep. over there by that fence that runs by the road <laughs> which is so far right i think i hit a full wedge in from there on like 160 yard par three and i got it up and down for par so i'm like all right i'm gonna actually somehow squeak out and make this cut and then i drove it in the water on nine and made bogey to miss so oh. it was a it was a useless shark but you, uh, i got you, my one you can't hit it far enough to get into the water on nine in memphis oh i can or i could i caught now but i did then um getting back to tiger though and and i do agree with you and this to me was very, very promising. The way he drove the ball, there, there was a lot of speed there. Um, listen, his golf swing has changed so much. It's had to change so much. It's very much of an upper body dominated golf swing now. He's got no legs. Listen, I mean, he's who knows how many surgeries. I think we've lost count on how many surgeries he's had to his knees and his legs and stuff. Um, but there is still a lot of speed. He's, he's strong enough in the upper body where he can still hit it far enough to, to contend. Um, the, the other thing that does make me worry a little bit about him is he even stated this himself, that every single time I play, I know I'm going to have to beat off the rust. That to me, these guys are too good. If you're taking an entire round where you're knocking a little bit of rust off, you're so far behind the eight ball by the time you've got three more rounds to play, you're not going to be able to beat these uh, these fields that we're playing or seeing. Yeah, and it's not like he's going to the Mexico Open next week against a, a slightly weaker field. When we see him, it's going to be a major. It's going to be the players. It's going to be a signature event. So I completely agree with you on that. That is a fantastic point. And he averaged, to, to, your, to your point about his length, averaged 304 yards off the tee still. On a golf course that you and I both know, uh, you're at sea level. It was not warm. It was slightly cool. So plenty of pop still in that bat for Tiger. Yeah, not to mention the Kukuyu fairways. Kukuyu fairways don't typically bounce that much. They're a spongy grass. The ball sort of hops up and releases a little bit, but doesn't bounce bounce that much. So yeah, there's a lot of speed. Um, and as you said, the irons are good. Um, he, he would have cleaned the short game up. I fully do believe that. Um, 
But again, I don't think he's able to contend if he's giving himself an entire round where he's got to knock the rust off. So I would love to see him play more. I, I just don't know if he physically can. I, I agree. And and you would have thought on the ground when it happened on Friday, I was walking with uh, Rory McIlroy's group and you could feel the wind coming out of the sails of the tournament. Uh, yep. But being on the ground Saturday and Sunday, there were still a ton of people out there. The The event had uh, such an incredible uh, scene, and as Riviera always does. It's one of my favorite venues down there in the canyon. The roars echoing throughout that property. It still was an incredible event. And, and you know, that's what we get with these signature events. We have great fields. There was an amazing leaderboard. And at the end of the day, we had an awesome champion with uh, Hideki Matsuyama winning his ninth PGA Tour event, including that great Masters victory. Damn, he played some good golf today. I mean, that that at in at year's end, that is going to go down as one of the best rounds of golf of the year. I, I don't care what anyone else does from now. That that was just unbelievable. The way he played that back nine, that stretch from uh, twelve through sixteen. You and I both know that's the meat of that golf course. And uh, playing into that southerly wind, that is the toughest, the toughest stretch on that golf course by far. Everybody else is struggling with that stretch. He goes out there and plays that stretch in three under par and just laps the field. Um, you know, he hit it. He hit it to a combined distance of like six inches, two holes. <laughs> on 15 uh, and was, 16. On 15 and 16. Like, I, he could have given him those two putts from the fairway. It was fantastic. Um, and it's just, you know, that, that's what happens when a world class player is firing on all cylinders. Uh, you start seeing some golf like that. And uh, it was. It was cool to watch. It was cool to be part of the tournament and see someone, you know, really just take, take the ball by the horns. And I have to be honest, I, I, at the beginning of the day, Hideki Matsuyama was not on my radar at no. all. Even after he birdied, even after he birdied one, two, and three to start, I had no idea he was on the leaderboard. Then he goes to the back nine after six straight pars to finish the front. Birdies 10, 11, which is not a surprise. And then yeah. the only really long putt I saw him make was on 12. He made that bomb on 12 and boom, he's at the top of the leaderboard. Now you're watching and paying attention that shot into 15, you know how brutal that whole location is. Front right. It's not really front right the way that green angles, but it's on the yeah. front of that right side. It is one of, if not the most inaccessible hole locations for a tough par four on the PGA Tour. Like you said, he hit it to inches there. I don't think I've ever hit that green in regulation. <laughs> whatever the, the 10 times I played that tournament, whatever it was. It, that that hole is so difficult, and as you say, that the way that green sits at that angle, you, you're forced to carry it over the entirety of that bunker, and there's just nowhere to land it. He landed it with within a foot of where he needed to, obviously, and this thing looked at the hole, almost went in, and I mean, it was just a fantastic shot. And under that pressure, right then, he was tied for the lead, or maybe one ahead at the time, needed to pull something off like that, and just, I mean, hit a dart. And on 16, you know, correct me if or if you played this hole any differently than I did, but on 16, uh, my, my caddies, both uh, Stephen Hale and Matt Hauser, every time I played that golf course, you look at the you look at the TV cameras or the TV towers there, and there's a big one six. You see 16 right in the middle of the green every time we play there, and you hit it right in between the one and the six into the center of the green, and leave yourself a 15 footer. Uh, to a tight right pin, Hideki took that thing on knowing, I mean, we saw Rory make a triple from one of those bunkers on Thursday. Hideki took it right at that right flag, 
again, just like on 15, landed it perfectly. And for a, for a minute there, it had such good speed trickling out towards the hole. It's like, oh my God, is he going to make a hole in one? Is he going to make a hole in one? It was mind blowing that shot to me. It's very similar to the shot John Rahm hit last year to get it done there. But you're, you're so right. There's that 16 behind the green. And it feels like anytime you hit it right of that, you're going to bury it under the lip of that bunker. Like it feels like anything that's at that flag, even a little bit right of that flag, is going to come down in that front trap. Um, the Dickies didn't. You, you know, he gave it one of those weird follow-throughs. You never really know with him whether he's he's hit the shot he wanted or he didn't. And, I mean, again, landed it within a foot of where he was trying to probably and almost went in for twice in a row. The two shots on 17 to hit it over the back of the green were gorgeous. I mean, 17, that right bunker, you know you can't – if you hit it in that right bunker, you're laying up and probably having an eight iron into the green like we saw Cantlay make bogey from yesterday on Saturday in the third round. Uh, Hideki splits the middle, hits a beautiful fairway wood over the back of the green. I was sitting watching. I was staying out there on the golf course to uh, – to do a hit for golf central with you later. So I went into the CBS kind of uh, talent truck. It's called Titan. And we had the truck feed, um, which is you get to hear the conversations between Nance and Emmelman and all the announcers during a commercial. And after Hideki hit that chip shot down the hill, they call in uh, Mark Dusbabic, the, the main rules official for this uh, Genesis Invitational. And they start zeroing in, zooming in on the lie and the way he was putting his club down on I was like, oh, no, did the ball move? Are they deeming that he was improving his lie with the way he was setting his club down? I didn't know what was going on. It was such beautiful touch coming down the hill, but I was very concerned that there was going to be a rules infraction, and all of a sudden Hideki's going to get some sort of penalty. Fortunately, they deemed it – the ball clearly, when they zoomed in yeah. slow-mo, it didn't move. It just shows like Hideki's got such a great all-around game when he's on. That touch, that is coming – I mean, tell me how, how difficult – I know he had a lot of green, but coming down that hill, that, that's not that easy in that situation to do what he did. No, it's not. Not at all. You know, under under the pressure of trying to win the tournament as well, that chip that took so much feel and we got it down there to within a couple of feet of two tapping, really. So three tappings in a row while you're at the lead, maybe one ahead was just, I mean, he got it done. We've seen him get it done in some of the biggest moments before. I, I honestly, and uh, Anna Jackson, who I was working with but, uh, on Golf Central, she says, what, what kind of year do you think that this can lead to for Hideki? And honestly, this is not us blowing smoke up his ass. I, I think Hideki is primed for a massive year. He's coming into a stretch of golf, some tournaments where he's played really well. He loves the players. The uh, the year that COVID hit, he had the first round lead, I believe. They uh, they canceled it that year. He played really good there, I think, maybe last year, finished fifth. And obviously, he's won at Augusta. We're coming into some some big tournaments. If Hideki can stay healthy, now he's he's another guy that's dealt with a buku of injuries right he's he's at a neck he's at a back if he can stay healthy i think we can see him get back to the top of the world i think he got up to number two at one point i think he's got the game to get back there it's it's hard to believe yeah that he's fallen all the way down to 55th in the world only two top tens last year the last of which being the the fifth place finish at the players championship one thing that i thought was really cool in his round today he had three different stretches of three birdies in a row around Riv. Uh, turkeys. And, and turkeys. He had three turkeys out there as Virginia Tech Hokies. We we sure, certainly love our turkeys. 
And I was, I was watching the golf with a graphics guy from CBS. And I made that point. I was like, if he birdies 17, that's going to be three turkeys on the round. And he ran immediately over to the research department just to see if they could scrounge anything up. If there's any history of a player on the PGA tour, having three different three whole stretches, of three birdies in a row in one round, because I mean, nine birdies alone in a round is hard to do, but to do it the way he did it, I, I mean, I'm not going to claim that it's the first time it ever happened because the PGA tour has a great history, but it would not surprise me if that was the first time that ever happened. And, uh, you know, a little, little bit off your point here, I've got to give the guys up here at, at golf central a massive shout out. I sat and watched all the golf with them. These guys are golf nuts, man. They're, they're into it. They are, they are watching, they're living and dying by some of these shots. They've got some of their favorites. Um, I sat with Harris Chang and, uh, and Brett, uh, Castelluccio, these guys, they love golf. Um, and it's so cool to see that, that kind of passion from these guys, Tom Archer as well. And, and honestly, like it made me excited to watch the golf. And it's so cool to see it from the perspective of a golf fan, right? We still, we watch it as ex-players. We're fans, but we're ex-players. To see this from just avid golf fans, it really, it did, it's contagious. And as Arch, uh, Tom Archer, legendary ESPN producer, and now the coordinating producer for Golf Channel, Golf Central shows, Arch always tells me when I'm preparing, he said, make sure that you can speak to what Joe Sixpack, who's sitting on the couch watching our show, what he wants to hear. And it's, a, you know, Brendan, last week we were talking a little bit about live and the team aspect and how much you loved the team uh, golf in college at Virginia tech. Like we had a great team. Uh, some of the best memories of my life are playing college golf at Virginia tech, getting into this role into TV, whether it's in studio, whether it's PGA tour live that you and I've both done. I know you're going to be doing a lot this year or me being out on the ground. Like we're, it is so nice to feel like you're being part of the team. I absolutely love the entire staff at golf, uh, at golf channel and uh, you know, Brett and Harris, those are two of the best producers and Kevin Ryan and research and Kevin yeah. Casey and Alex Levine and all these guys that, that we work with on a daily basis. It is, it is just so fun and refreshing. And, and, and you and I were talking earlier, that's like the best part of the day is hanging out, watching golf with people that have high golf IQ and that just absolutely love the, the sport. They, they really do. You, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Wes. And it is. It, you, you feel part of a team. You really do. From, from the production meeting, when you're sitting there, kind of everybody huddles around and you, you start bouncing ideas off each other and trying to formulate formulate a game plan of how you're going to attack this. And yeah, let's go with that. No, that's bullshit. Let's leave that alone. Let's go with that. I, I think it's so awesome. Um, and yes, it, it, it's cool. It's obviously slightly different than playing, um, but I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. No, uh, certainly not. All right, let's get back to the golf a little bit. Will Zalatoris has been on a steady uh, trajectory since coming back from his back surgery. Didn't play great at the Hero, but I'm not really counting that. Missed the cut at Sony. I think he was 34th at uh, Amex, maybe 13th at Farmers, and then has this T2 today. Had a legitimate shot to win this golf tournament. The broomstick putting style, he was 15th in strokes gained putting this week. The last registerable year for him uh two years ago because he missed so much time last year due to injury was 105th or 103rd in strokes game putting 
This dude hits the ball a mile in the air. He is built for major championships, as we've seen at the Masters, the PGA, the U.S. Open. Like, Will Zalatoris, like, what do you make of, of his comeback, and, and what do you think about his future going forward? Oh, man, it's it's bright. So we, we did a breakdown of his, his putting stroke old and new, and that <laughs> that ugly loop-de-loop that, uh, that he was working with when he was still contending in majors, that's gone. That's completely gone. This broomstick, the stroke, the the rhythm of the stroke is so nice. And uh, to your point there, Riv, from all accounts, the greens were as quick as they've ever been. That's what these guys are going to see in majors. They're going to see really, really quick surfaces. If Will Zalatoris can get that putter working on quick surfaces at Riv, he can certainly do it in the majors. And I tell you what, we got a down-the-line look at a putt that he hit on 13, I think. That ball hugged the surface rolled end over in and went dead in the heart of the hole at absolute perfect uh, holding speed. And you you gave me a hard time when I said, watch out for Scotty Scheffler with that broomstick later on this year. I'm telling you, th- th- there's something to it. Everyone that's gone to this thing is putting the ball pretty good. Yeah, I don't think Scotty's there yet. Uh, Rory McIlroy came on the CBS set and sat there for, seemed like a long time, 30 minutes or so. And yeah. uh, Amanda Bally, or Amanda Renner, excuse me, asked him a question about Scotty Scheffler's putting and, and, and Rory's putting. And Rory had a nice comment about how he has struggled. And when he putted with a blade putter like Scotty's putting with, uh, he didn't feel like he was real consistent. He was kind of thinking since Rory went to the mallet and what it did for his consistency, he alluded to the fact that maybe if Scotty went to a mallet putter, it may make him more consistent. I think that would be the first step we'd see before we'd ever see Scotty with a broomstick. Maybe in a year or so, maybe we see Scotty with one of those lab putters, but I, I don't, I don't see that happening. He was my pick for the week. Um, man, I got to walk with him. I got to walk with him finishing Thursday. I believe I finished his round with him Thursday. It is remarkable watching that guy hit a driver around a golf course that is so tough to hit drivers on. He just seemed to be down the middle, in position on every single hole. And I think we're getting to a point uh, that we're going to see him get really frustrated. I actually saw him walking from 11 to 12. He was in the front of the green on 11, the par 5, just in the front fringe. Hit it about four feet by from 70 feet and then missed the four-footer, he mumbled to himself the whole way over to the 12th tee, and I'm standing in the 12th fairway kind of getting ready for the group for the next shot, and he chucked this ball. I mean, it was impressive throw, but I, I, like, we're, I think that's one thing we've said about Scotty is that he hasn't shown frustration, but he's starting to. Did you go try and find the ball? <laughs> I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not adept enough at, at climbing chain-link fences to go get that one. Nobody can fault him for getting pissed off. I mean, it, this has been going for a year almost now. I mean, he hasn't won since the players. Yep. I mean, I understand he won Hero, but we're we're gonna. That's not a that's not a full field event, right? Um, right. You, you you can't fault him for getting pissed off, and we are starting to see a, a couple outbursts out of uh, out of Scotty Scheffler. There was a couple other times caught on camera there. He kind of kicked his putter one. He smashed his foot at another point. Um, but it's human nature. I, I'm not surprised. It's it, it's got to boil over at some point because God, he's missing a lot of short butts. Yeah, and he still finishes tenth at a signature event, T ten in a signature event, being the worst putter in the field. It, it, it's shocking, and and I you know I, I know it seems like we talk about this all the time, but imagine 
just imagine what kind of run he could have been on over this last year had he been average. Had he been had he, had he put it like Will Zalatoris, <laughs> which is shocking to say. Yeah. Anna asked me that question. She's like, you know, if, if he putted well, what would it have been like? And I said, historical. It yeah. would have been. It would have been. We would have been talking about another guy winning maybe eight to ten events in a year, and that would have been with putting average, maybe just above average. Like it. it I don't even think that we can fully explain how good this guy hits the ball. And it's it's week in, week out. And then the only thing that I do worry about is that these missed putts are going to start creeping into the long game at some point, just, just through pure frustration. It's shocking to see a guy that can't get it in the hole that is so good around the greens too. It's not like, yeah. you know, he he was at one point top five in strokes gained around the green. He's got the touch. He's got everything. I just – think he needs to start talking better to himself on the greens all right so saturday yeah i had the opportunity to go walk with and golf channel has two hour leading coverage i got out there about 30 minutes early i had the opportunity to walk with adam scott and rory mcelroy picked him up on the fourth hole and and left him on the 14th these guys i i, I think i'm coming around a little bit to the short fields or at least to the short cut 51 guys made the cut. They played twosomes off of one tee with 15-minute intervals. The pace of play on the weekend was fantastic. As soon as I saw Adam and, and, and Scotty, uh, I mean, Adam and Rory, Adam came up to me on five and uh, said hello. And I said, man, what an honor for me to be out there with you guys today. And Helpful was with him. You know, South African caddy, Helpful's the man. Yeah. And, and uh, Harry Diamond's great, too. And uh, I, I, I then said, it's great to be with the four of you. And Adam said, you know what else is great? Playing twosomes with 15-minute intervals. These guys cooked around the golf course. I think this is the future of high-level PGA Tour golf is short fields, cuts to 50 and ties, and I I think the players absolutely loved this week. And and I hate the fact now that we're on the other side of it that we really want to see the superstars, right? That's how I am when I watch golf. I, I want to see the superstars. You and I were never superstars, so we didn't fit into that mold when we were playing. We would have been the guys on the outside, but we do. We want to see the superstars. We want to see them playing in these kind of events, superstars on a superstar course. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think this is kind of where we're trending. This is uh, this is where it's going to be. Adam Scott was your pick for the week. He ended up finishing T-19, had a nice highlight on the 18th green, chipping in in front of a massive gallery around that green. Uh, pretty decent week for you on the on the pick scale. Yeah, you know, T-19 out of, what, 51 that made the cut. I'm, I'm certainly trending in the right direction. Uh, to, to Adam's birdie on the last, I don't know if you saw where he hit his second shot from. He was kind of on the same line Tiger was, but a little bit further back. And he hit this big hook that started out almost at the third tee and hooked all the way and got it to chase through the back of the green and then chipped it in for birdie. I mean, it was it was such a bonus. When I saw where he hit his tee shot, I'd say that's got five written all over it. And he turned that into a three. He was in the trees down the right side? He was in the trees, deep into the tree line. And honestly, he had to hit this thing that started just outside of the third tee hooked all the way around. Um, it was pretty cool. I, I want to get back to a couple other players that, uh, that you were out there with. Um, obviously, this is Patrick Cantlay's this ho- his home event. It's one that means the most to him. 
he's talked openly about how much he absolutely loves this golf course. He's, he's huge on the traditional courses. He's played this place so many times. Went to school just down the road at UCLA. I mean, it was his tournament for the first 54 holes. You know, he took a massive lead through two rounds, took a two-shot lead into the final round, and then just he didn't have it today. He just he, he struggled. He really did. And it started for me with the driver. He had driven it so beautifully for three days and putted it great. Uh, even yesterday, he had to make a lot of par or Saturday he had to make a lot of par putts. But I, I saw Jamie Mulligan, who I know you and I both know well. Uh, I saw him right after the round, and I, I went over just wanted to you know what was wrong with the driver. And Jamie said, "Well, it wasn't just the driver. He was one of the other guys that got sick. Woke up Sunday morning with a hundred and two temperature and just." You know, it's hard to play. It's hard to focus. Last group of a big event like that, when you aren't feeling good, you know, got to cut him a, a little bit of slack. Yeah, yeah, you certainly do. Um, I'm, I'm glad in a way that he didn't come out and use that as an excuse or anything. You know, just I, I didn't see if he did a presser after the fact. Um, it, it's a shame that you don't, you don't wish that on anyone. You know, you'd like to see everybody at their best playing. Um, yeah, but yeah, that, that last group was, they had no momentum at all, two, two good friends. And you and I both know that at times it can it can get like that. You you sort of drag each other down when you're playing badly. In the other in the other regard, you know, someone's playing really well, you draft off them. It's just, it's part of the game. Um, and it's really, as part of twosomes. That's a, that, that does happen a lot. Hard to believe it took that group 10 holes before Xander Shoffley made a birdie on the 10th. Um, speaking of the 10th, uh, what an amazing hole, a little bit of a softening of the edge off that front yeah. right bunker and kind of over that left side, they brought it up a little bit. Still plenty of carnage. Those bunkers are deep. I walked it with Rory both Saturday and Sunday. He hit three wood both days, short right of the green. And I mean, yeah. rule number one around Riviera, never miss the 10th green to the right. He did it two days in a row yesterday, had to chip it to the front of the green, made a great par today to the back right pin. He took this flop shot on and hit a absolutely spectacular high soft landed right where it needed to. No chance it stayed on. Yeah. Ended up getting it up and down, making a 10 footer. But I, 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 that hole never disappoints. Uh, I, I find it fascinating. I think every golf course needs a short drivable par four. It would be nice to have a thought like a realistic chance to hit a, hit a ball close off the tee there. But I think that's what makes that hole so great. I, I love that hole. And, and we did a bunch of, a bunch of coverage of that hole because it's so polarizing you know there's there's guys that love it there's guys that hate it um i, I you're right you cannot miss it right you cannot hit that ball right you you those left trees are fine unless you get very unlucky over there those left trees are fine you know we saw guys that they were they looked like they were on safari but they were fine they could chip it up the green nothing to worry about and it's one of those and i remember phil low for me for a long time and that was our line was that it was into that little swale on the left left side there if it cut a little bit great if it didn't that was fine yeah even i mean you have so much room to the left it's just shocking to see people miss it luke list who ended up uh yeah. tying for second as well on saturday uh to a front pin hit it in the right bunker and left it in there and yeah. nearly made an absolute mess of that hole fortunately got it up and down for bogey uh but it, it's just one of those holes that uh that gets me every time uh, i loved playing it i think i only laid up there once and it was the worst i ever played that hole um what other big takeaways you have from this week uh, we've got to talk about speed you know yep. uh, obviously obviously ended up getting disqualified uh 
I know you you spoke to Jordan after the fact that he made double on uh, made a double on his last hole, and obviously we've all been there. You're frustrated. You just finished your round with a double. You look at your card very quickly and just kind of throw it back to the scorers. And well, you know, it's it, it's it's a bad mistake, probably one he won't make again, um, but it happens. So I, I dug a little deeper on that whole situation. Um, Jordan claimed, and he was sick. He was one of the guys that was sick. Maybe, you know, he and Patrick played together Thursday, Friday. I don't want to make any assumptions, but guys had the flu. Uh, exhausted after the round, had the chills, 102 temperature, blah, blah, blah. Yes, the assumption is he just signed the card and ran out. What I've heard is he looked at a new scoring official that's in there. I don't know who it was. It wasn't Montana or Scribs or any of the vets that we love so much and said, are we good? And the scoring official said, yes, Jordan got up, walked out. And I mean, by the way, he was shot five under the first day, two over the second day. He was at three under par. He was in good position, uh, walked out and later was approached in the locker room by a rules official. And Jordan was like, I told the, I asked the guy if I was good. So they went back to this new scoring official and said, did Jordan ask you if, if his card was good? And the scoring official responded with no. So they went to Tom Kim, uh, one of Jordan's playing competitors. And Tom said, Jordan absolutely asked the question, is the card good before he got up and walked out of the room? So a little bit of drama there. Uh, you know, Brendan, this is a topic. You know, golf has some archaic rules. I personally love the fact that we keep our own score, but when we have shot link and we have all this stuff, we know what the score is. Do you think it's time to reevaluate the scoring system so that just these brutal disqualifi disqualifications don't happen anymore? 100%. I think this is so stupid. We're in a day and age right now where it's impossible to cheat. It's absolutely impossible to cheat, especially if you're one of the biggest names in the game. And listen, I understand it wants to be the same for everyone, but it's impossible. Every single shot you hit is being watched by somebody. It, it, it's so archaic. It needs to be thrown out. It makes no sense. It's, it's, you know, I saw, I read a bunch of stuff on Twitter comparing it to other sports, and I hate the cross-sport comparisons. I really do. But some guys made some perfect points there. You know, it, it really, it doesn't make any sense that in this day and age, you make a, a silly little error, you're not trying to gain any kind of advantage on anybody. Just call him back in and say, hey, listen, we need to change this. And just leave it at that. Uh, I, I, I was on the other side of that conversation for a long time, but now I'm starting to realize my, my son plays junior golf. They keep score on their phone with a golf genius app. Like it, scoring needs, it, it's, it's so sad to me that that tournament lost Tiger Woods to illness withdrawing and Jordan Spieth. Two of our, you know, I throw Rory in there as the three biggest draws in the game of golf right now. You lose two of them, one to a WD and one to a careless disqualification. So uh, I'm with you now. We have the scorekeepers out there that are on, you know, keeping all the shot link data. Like it's just, it, it's archaic and, and it's probably time to move forward. Yeah, it really is. Um, you also, as you mentioned, you walked with, uh, with Rory and Adam Scott. Um, there's been a lot of questions about Rory's game. He, he started out great this year. He, um, you know, rinsed one on his final hole at that that new event in Dubai, finished second to Tommy Fleetwood, and then turns around and wins the very next week. Since he's come stateside, it's been a little bit of a, a mixed bag. You know, so we saw him get off to that great start at Spy, then made the mistake with the drop and kind of 
made a mess of that, didn't play really well there. We'll put that one down to the weather. Um, this week looked like it was a little bit stop-start. Played really poorly the first round, or finished the first round really poorly. Um, I think, what, doubled 15, tripled 16. Rough stretch there, then bounced back with a great round on Friday. Uh, Bogey-free. Is Do you think his game is where it needs to be? I, I, I do, and, and I'm probably going to regurgitate one of your earlier opinions on this. I, I walked with him um, part of the day Friday. Saturday and Sunday, his driver is a weapon. The way he drives, it's unbelievable. I put him in contention any week. He tees it up because of the way he handles that club. Putter looked good. Short game looks good. You made the point earlier, <clears throat> I think it was about the Dubai week, that he makes some questionable decisions, right? And I saw it multiple times Saturday on five at Riv, it's right before the six, the par three that's got the hole in the bunker over the back of five is a bogey at Damn. best. Okay. He's in the left rough, got a bad kick with an iron off the tee, landed in the fairway. He's in the left rough. Adam Scott hits out of the rough before him, lands it just short, but it stops just short of the green to a back left flag. Lags it up there, makes par. Uh, Rory flies this ball. 15 yards on the green to a flag that's maybe 20 on and it stopped less than an inch away from rolling over the back. And it was like, Whoa, what are you like? You, you're out of position. You cannot take that flag on, leave it 20 yards short of that green before you get it past that hole. And I, I just noticed there's some left misses with the irons, which is you know, that's been going on, I think, this whole season, uh, both events he played in Dubai and at Pebble and this week. But it it is it's becoming questionable some of the decisions he makes. He did he, he had no chance of hitting it on the green on 10 on Sunday. No chance from where he was, short right of that green. And but then the next hole, he hits driver 350 yards down the middle of the eleven fairway and hits a four iron to ten feet. Like the guy is so supremely talented. I just I really wish he had a caddy on the bag and Harry Diamond's a wonderful guy. And, and I hate to make this assumption. I just wish he had a guy on the bag that would rein him in with some decision-making every once in a while. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And my, my knock on Rory is that, you know, he needs to use his talent to make up for all the bad mistakes that he's making. I think if he's able to use that talent to just keep on going forward and forward and forward, but he's, he's the, he's one of the only few guys in the world that's good enough to actually play as stupid as he does at times and make up for it with the talent that he has. Yeah. It, and, it's, it, it, and it's frustrating. It's frustrating. As a Rory fan, it's frustrating. Right. Because he is so likable. He's so friendly. I like everybody. If you don't like Rory, then, then I have a problem with you because Rory's yeah. a fantastic dude, uh, you know, comes from a great family. And, and I just, uh, you know, I, I, I think, uh, I, I think he needs to, I think he needs to start playing a little more conservatively. And I hate saying that, but it's take pick and choose your spots. Like, on Saturday, he was in the right rough on 13 to a back left flag that doesn't even appear to be on the green. And he plays this just majestic shot with a nine iron into the middle of the green, chases it back there to six feet, makes the birdie. And it, it was amazing. Like, that's what we want to see. But when you're not in position to kind of, I just want to see those silly, silly mistakes. Like 16, hit it in the middle of the green. Why on earth coming off a double are you trying to make up for it on the very next shot? I, I remember I had a, a chance to win a tournament and I, I made a little bit of a mess of it. And Nick Price called me and he absolutely bitched me out. 
and he's like you know what dong you've got to figure out how to make your birdies count and i was like what do you mean nick he's like well think about it every time you make a bogey and you make a birdie your birdie doesn't count it's like that's two pars you have to figure out a way to make your birdies count and that, that would be my advice to rory rory's gonna make a shitload more birdies than i ever would i mean i, I can't hold rory's jockstrap but He's got to find a way to make his birdies count. And and honestly, Wags, if Rory wants to win majors and keep contending in majors, that's when you have to clean it up. That is really, really well said. But don't sell yourself short. I think you led the PGA Tour in birdies one year. Maybe it's because you played like 47 events. But you were definitely a birdie machine and a force to be reckoned with out on tour. Um, Mexico open next week. Unless you got anything else on Riv you want to discuss? No, I think we've covered most things, Riff. I mean, I, it was it was an enjoyable week. It really was. I, I think we touched on it at the Open there, just, you know, how cool it is to have Tiger back in playing. Uh, unfortunately, it was only for less than a round and a half. But to see him back out there playing, um, I thought it was pretty cool, the the ode to his 1992 shirt that he showed up with, this this weird Bonefish Grill logo that he's, that he's sporting there. It's uh that thing's a little odd. I, I think the verdict's still out on that logo. We're so used to seeing that iconic swoosh. Um, but uh, when are we going to see him next? That, that That's the only question I would pose. You know, maybe the players, maybe Bay Hill. I don't know. I think from what I'm hearing speculation-wise, I think he's not going to play both of them. Uh, I think I think we're Bay Hill is going to be a smaller field, maybe a better chance for success. He's had so much success there, but I, if, if I had to put money on it, I would say he's going to be at the players. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a flat golf course, easy walk. Um, I, I hope so. I Listen, as, as a golf fan, I think the, the more we see of Tiger, the better, obviously. Uh, who knows? You know, who knows what, uh, what he can handle uh, physically. Mexico open at Vedanta. I am flying there on Monday morning tomorrow. We're filming the show on Sunday night after Genesis. Uh, it's going to be a little different week. I played the inaugural event there at Vedanta. It is a bomber's paradise. It's going to be warm. I'm looking forward to uh, rocking some shirt sleeves. And I have to be honest with you. I did laundry tonight just to make sure everything was clean going down there. Figured it'd be easier to do it here than down in Mexico. I haven't done hotel laundry in two years. I forgot, like I put it on the middle dryer setting. I think I shrunk all my stuff. <laughs> it was already tight. I hope you did. It was already tight. Uh, it was already tight as it was. And I, when I went to take them out after 30 minutes, I mean, I could barely touch the clothes. It was scalding hot. I've never had this experience of, of just such a hot dryer when I tried to set it on a low temperature. So I'm concerned about the fit of my clothes. Um, I have a question for you. How is your body feeling after walking uh, 36 holes? I know it's it's been a little while. Excuse me, more than 36 holes, 72 holes. It's not feeling good. I, I walked uh, I walked a lot Wednesday. I think I had over six miles Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. This weekend, we only had two-hour shows, so it was a little less. It was like four and a half. My left knee, <laughs> I'm going to go get ice, and I'm going to ice this thing down. I can barely walk at the moment. Um you know, I, I've I've had some injuries to that knee. You, you have had some injuries to that knee. I, I think that's actually a good story that we should end this show on an injury to your left knee. Uh, yeah. Well, you and I were down at one of our favorite places, Calusa Pines, back in, gosh, February of 2022. Hard to believe it's been two years. Uh, we walked in the morning, had a wonderful round, uh, went out in the afternoon, and I had a 
fast golf cart that uh it tipped over and it crushed my left leg you you i remember laying on the ground screaming get it off get it off get it off and you came over and ripped that cart off of me so quick i'll always be in debt to you but uh, yeah that's not my proudest moment i'm a little bit <clears throat> leery I had a driver this week, Wayne, uh, we were coming back from, you know, way out there one day, uh, and he, he went on this hillside and I was on the low side and I just like shoved myself up against him. Cause I'm, I'm so freaked out about, uh, golf carts. Um, that is a really regrettable, regrettable day for me. Well, yeah, that was uh, not, not the finest, but you know what it, it, uh, Change your career path, and I think for the best, to be honest. Uh, it, it really did. Um, well, in Mexico, you're going to have some fun, but look out for the iguanas. Oh, you know how much I hate iguanas. They're everywhere. Uh, they freak me out. Not quite as prevalent on the West Coast in Puerto Vallarta, where we are, as opposed to you know, the Yucatan, where we used to play in Mayacoba every year. But I'll be scanning. You know, I don't, I, I don't walk through native area uh, without just scanning all around for the little and big iguanas, uh, probably my biggest fear <laughs> in the world. I, that, that is a, a very quick story to end. That is one that I'll never forget was when we were walking back. I think we were actually in Puerto Rico. We'd been out to dinner somewhere and we were walking back. You were going onto your room and I was going to my room. And an iguana ran out in front of you and you jumped into my arms like a little baby. <laughs> Like a little baby. I think you actually asked me to carry you back to your house. Uh, now you you're just so scared. I'm not exaggerating. You are so scared of those things. But uh, anyway, hopefully none of them get in your bed while you're there. And uh, it should be a fun week for you. It's going to be a fun week. I am going to pick someone that I am not sure if this person is still going to be in the field. He is in the field as of right now finished second this week at Genesis. Uh, I think it's going to move him up pretty high in the world rankings. He had fallen j just around 50 top 30, get in all the signature events. He is not in Bay Hill yet, but awaiting on a sponsor exemption, former Arnold Palmer scholar at Wake Forest. Uh, so he should get an exemption to API, but he may have played his way in with this finish. I'm going with Will Zalatoris. Yeah, I thought you might. That's a good pick. He's uh, obviously trending in the right direction. Good golf course for him. You said it's a bomber's paradise. He hits it a long way. I'm going to take another bomber. I'm going to go with that Mr. Finau. I'm going to take Ooh. Tony Finau. I uh, obviously loves that golf course. Has played well there uh, defending. Um, yeah, this feels like the right week to take big tone. Yeah, that's the first time taking him. You're, you're going off the radar. We got to get creative with our picks. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Wagyu Filet Show. We'll be back with you in a couple weeks. We may have a surprise guest coming on the show soon. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you all soon. Mm -hmm.